Welcome to Point with Daryl Jones, speaker, author, and lead pastor of the Rock Fellowship Church in Miami, Florida, and president of Point Ministries. Our goal at Point Ministries is to point you to the Word of God, where Jesus is the point. Today's message is from the Chasing After the Wind series, where Dr. Jones teaches through the entire book of Ecclesiastes, and we learn that true satisfaction is found only in knowing the Lord and enjoying the life He provides. Now let's join him for today's message. I invite y'all to turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Today's title is, At the End of the Day. That's a common phrase that's used in our vernacular when somebody is getting to the close and they want to get to the main idea and the main point, and they'll say, look, at the end of the day, there's one thing you need to understand. It's the one thing you need to do. So we lead with that title or saying at the end of the day, because if you forgot everything I just talked about, it's the one thing you can't forget. And we see that at the conclusion of this book, he gets to one of those at the end of the day type of moments. He say, look, if you start to lull and fall asleep, if you felt like you didn't understand anything I wrote, at the end of the day, this is what I want you to mainly take away with. And he closes the book with this wisdom, with what we ought to know as we walk through. Now, I want you to think about this. As this book concludes, he even speaks about weighing and arranging and writing. This book concludes and it's concluding in a way that he's saying like, look, the wisest king that's ever walked the earth, whose wisdom was received from God so that he may rule God's people properly under the glory and honor of the Lord. He's researched and studied and experienced all these things in life. And he's sharing these words of wisdom so that we may know how to live. And if you go through this book, he starts off and he says, look, look, at, this is what I want you to understand. Like all this stuff we chasing. All the struggle, all the striving, everything that this world has to offer, futile, vanity, don't mean nothing. Here today, gone tomorrow. You know, he says all this to where what we would like to call in our context, the American dream, the American dream is a vapor. It's, it, in some ways, it's, it's a farce. Because the moment you think you've attained it, the moment you realize it wasn't what I thought. In the whole book, he's laying this out. But then in the midst of what can seem like pessimism, he keeps saying, in the midst of all this, enjoy the life God gave you. Over and over, he keeps repeating it. Matter of fact, he, he, he talks so depressingly. He was like, look, the world is all messed up. He says, this sinful, fallen world we live in, it's injustice, it's cruelty. We see the wrong kind of people get ahead. It's all bad. And then he says, this is my conclusion. Enjoy your work. And do it for the Lord. Like, hold on, man. I got to enjoy this job. I don't like this job. I don't like my boss. I don't like what I do. I ain't work hard for all this. And he says, enjoy it and do it for the Lord. He says, matter of fact, enjoy your wife. And all your fleeting days. He, he like say it, fleeting. All the fleeting days of your fleeting life. <laughs> they make me laugh. I'm not, y'all read it for yourself. That is what, literally what he said all these fleeting days. It's like, look, man, you're going to die. Enjoy what God gave you. Enjoy your family. Enjoy your Now, now it's, he's writing as a sage, and he's writing primarily to men, but it's for all. And no, one of the things that I keep pointing out is, and this is something I want us to get is, while this book is for all of us, I want y'all to see how he concludes this. Because one common theme he keeps bringing out is youth. He keeps bringing it out, meaning this is a book that's not just for grown people. This is a book you need to walk through with your youth. 
They need to know this because they need to be making their decisions based off of these wise sayings from the Lord. They need to be walking through Ecclesiastes and Proverbs so that when they're faced with decisions, God's word is manifesting and they're able to make a wise decision. You know, there's there's two Proverbs right next to each other in Proverbs 26. One of them say, uh, respond to a fool or else they'll continue in their foolishness. You know, that's, that's a paraphrase. I mean, you see somebody doing something stupid, you know, give them an answer that they need. And then right after that, he says, don't respond to a fool because then you'll be like him. And it's like, so what do I do? See, the reason they're right back to each other because we need Holy Spirit wisdom to know which fool am I dealing with right now? Am I dealing with the one that's ready to listen and I can give some insight? Or am I dealing with the one that ain't ready to hear? Then I'm going to mess around and be in this foolish conversation. I mean, Ecclesiastes, he's been walking through this and he comes and he says, look, he says, I want you to know this at the, at the conclusion. So, remember your creator in the days of your youth. And then he started walking down this list and it's very poetic. But if you notice, he's saying all these figurative things, especially verses three through seven. It's a lot of figurative language and he paints all these word pictures of all these things that give the display of a decaying state. It's, it's the, the clock is ticking backwards. You know, it's, it's, it's ticking down. You know, it's, it's, it's like, you know, um, you got the hourglass. And he's turned over and then that sand going. And he's like, you know, it's, it's, it's depicted in that state. Now, now, he paints this picture. And I'm going to tell you why. He says, remember you're creating the days of your youth because what he's dealing with the issue of time and what he's really dealing with, no matter what age you are, are you maximizing the time and the opportunities you have right now because they won't always last. And he paints this picture of how death is coming for us all. It's coming for us all. We don't know when. We don't know the time. We don't even know how it's going to happen. But what we can bank on is coming. It's coming. And he paints this picture in these first seven verses. And he's laying out, look, when the days of adversity come. And, all this, and he uses all this picturesque language, all this poetic expression to paint various pictures of decaying. Like, like, like our, our bodies, when babies get a cut, they heal faster than adults do. They cells reproduce faster. The older you get, the, the cell reproduction slows. We, we live, you know, in, for, my, for my nerves, for, you know, the law of thermodynamics, decay. The whole of creation is slowing down and decaying. That's why Romans tells us in Romans 8, the world and creation itself is groaning for rescue from its decay. Bible talks about that. So he paints this picture and he says, look, while we have the time on this earth, what ought to be leading and informing every decision we make by every opportunity we have is us remembering the Lord. What he's saying right here when he says remember the Lord, all the days of you, what he's saying is that in all the decisions and everything you go through, before all of the adversity, before everything comes, before you, the decay and the decline and the death, he says, I want you to be constantly having the Lord on your mind that the Lord is your why, you do whatever you do. And if the Lord is not the why, you do whatever you do, then you need to stop doing it. And you need to flip it and start doing what God would have you do because you're doing it for him. It's all about him, his kingdom, the advancement of it. So when he's saying, remember 
the days of your youth. I'm sorry. Remember your creator during these days of your youth. He's saying that God needs to be constantly in mind as you are living this life and taking advantages of the potential and the opportunities that God gives you. So when you're faced with whatever you're faced with, the Lord is leading on what you're going to do, how you're going to act, how you're going to respond, what you will say yes to, what you will say no to, where you will go and what you, where you won't go, what you will do and what you won't do, what you will say and what you won't say. He says, remember your creator. Your creator needs to be on the forefront of your mind. And now, let, let's keep it real. How often is the Lord at the forefront of your mind on your daily decisions? How often? This is a personal question for you. I can't answer it for it. I can't answer that for you. When you wake up and you getting ready in the morning, is the Lord on your mind at all? You know, are you, have you even thanked him for that morning? You know, just straight up. On the truth, I might not even thought about it. You know, you just, I, another day, I got, I got stuff, I got responsibilities, I got deadlines, I got to get this stuff done, I got to get to work. You know, you, you don't even think about it. Now, when, when you're driving in this South Florida traffic, is the Lord on the forefront of your mind? Because if it's not, it's probably why we see what we see sometimes on the freeway. You know, making decisions, the Lord not a part of. You know what I mean? And, and, and your relationships is the Lord at the forefront of your mind, romantic and your friendships. Is the Lord at the forefront of it? Are you making decisions in how you treat others? Remembering my creator and who, who made me, who made you. He says, because uh, Kobe Bryant's attributed to this and, and many others or whatever. And he says, one of, the, one of the worst things that we can do is think we have more time. You know, like we think uh, we'll get right, we'll, we'll get it right, or I'll make up for it. And we don't know how much time we have. And what he's saying through these first seven verses is he's reiterating in almost every poetic way he can is, look, we all decaying. It's all on a countdown, and we're all gonna die. Even to the point, verse six, verse seven, he even goes explicitly. He he makes a statement. Uh, he say he say um, in verse six. No, no. Verse five, he speaks about for the mere mortal is headed to his eternal home and the mourners will walk around the street. Verse seven, he says, and the dust returns to the earth as it once was and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Now, let me clarify something. In these verses, he's not dealing with uh, what some may try to characterize as universalism, that everybody died and we all just go to heaven. What he's dealing with the contrast of physical life and then non-physical life, meaning our physicality, we're going to die. And then we're all going to be before the Lord. Now, what he's dealing with now, if you remember a few chapters before, he talks about, you know, when a person dies, we don't know if they're going up or they're going down. He, he don't even deal with the whole realities of heaven, hell, eternal life. What he is dealing with is the issue is our physical lives will cease and we will all return to God and we will all have to give an account. More from Dr. Jones in a moment. But first, during this month, you can request your MP3 download of the sermon series, Time for Your Checkup, with your donation to the ministry. This is a great resource where Dr. Jones teaches us to examine and engage the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. To give, 
go to daryljones.org. That's D-A-R-Y-L jones.org and request your copy today. Now let's rejoin Dr. Jones for the rest of today's message. Now, what's amazing in these verses is that the motivation for, I want to say, the motivation for remembering our creator and what he goes to in verses 9 through you know, was it 14? He says, the motivation for us in remembering our creator is not that we're going to get this, uh, the good life right now. You know, the, the motivation is we are going to die. We are going to stand before the Lord. That's, that's the motivation. Meaning, I, and, I, and I know, I know, you know, there's, there's become um, a habit. I say this of many to where when we're trying to offer Christ, is offered in such a way like, hey, Jesus is going to make your life better right now. And there is some truth to that, but that better may not be the better that you've defined. Because what it means is now you're going to walk in his purposes, not your own. Now, I'm going to say something that's going to mess you up right now. So I want you to just put your seatbelt on. I want you to listen to me. Like, like, like I said, like, like, you said, like, come to Jesus now. Choose to follow him now. You don't know what the future holds. Now, if I said, choose Jesus now, he's going to make your life better. It's going to be better. And then the next day, you hit by a car and you die. That can happen. You know the glory behind that? You accepted Christ the day before you got killed. And he has certain guarantees with who's with him. Now, I know you may be sitting there like, no, that ain't how to. You go through Ecclesiastes, that's exactly what he laying out. You can follow the Lord and lose your house. Whole house burned down. Like, hold on, man, I'm living for Jesus. I'm living for Jesus. How my house going to catch on fire and burn down? Look, 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 look. That, that. Jesus is not your get out of trouble card, okay? With Jesus, is Jesus is dealing with your eternal state and his purposes and the advancement of his kingdom. So we don't know exactly what role we're playing in that. What we do know is while we have time on this earth before we die, we need to get to know him. See, I'm not sitting here offering you Christ so all of a sudden your, your, your credit can get right. You know what I'm saying? You can get rich. No. You poor people saved. Rich folks saved. Rich folk don't know the Lord. And there's some poor people that don't know the Lord. So we're not looking for earthly comforts to follow Jesus. What we're following Jesus is because he is Lord. And this is why the Ecclesiastes writer, when we attribute to Solomon, is that he says, look, remember the days of your creator because as I have weighed everything, I have learned certain lessons. He says, look, it's, it's always going to be a new idea. It's always going to be a new book. It's always going to be a new way. You know what? You keep chasing all that stuff, it's going to get wearisome. He says, look, this, this is the conclusion of it. This is the conclusion. He says... When all has been heard, the conclusion of the matter is this. Now, I want you to think contextually. He's talking about the issue of books and studies. So he's dealing with ideas. When every single idea has been heard, every single worldview, anything anybody ever has to say, this is the conclusion of it all. Fear God and keep his commands. 
It's like you wrote 12 chapters to say that? He wrote 12 chapters to say, look, I'm trying, I've been priming this pump dog. At the end of the day, fear God, obey his commands. Now, it's so simple. Think about it. It's simple. It's two things he said. Fear God, keep his command. Fear God, keep his command. We can memorize that. It, it, it ain't easy, though. It's not easy. Want to know why? Because we don't want nobody telling us what to do. In our own flesh, it points to where we want to be autonomous. And we don't even want the Lord to lead our lives. And in those moments, we, it's, it's really an act of distrust. We don't really trust the Lord with my life and my happiness. I think I know better. I'm going to be more happy if I do this. I know, Lord, I know what your words say, but it ain't like that no more. That was back then. God is God. What you talking about back then? He's eternal. Yeah, back then, it, 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 he said it. At the end of the day, fear God and obey his commands. Now, we think about fear God is, when we talk about fear God, it's not that we are terrified of him. What it is is that we have such an extreme reverence and respect for him that we don't play with him. Fear the Lord, meaning don't play with him. Don't take him lightly. Don't take his word lightly. We see repeatedly through scripture, God, don't, he, he not playing about his word. And thank God for his grace and mercy. Or we'll all be like, you know, when, when Aaron's sons, there's a story in Leviticus, and then it's repeated in Numbers, where Aaron's son, they offered what's called strange fire. They were part of the priesthood. They were Aaron's lineage, so they high priests. They have this grand position when it comes to their relationship to God and their relationship to the people. But they offered what the CSB translates as unauthorized fire, meaning they went through the process as high priests, as the priesthood, and they did things they shouldn't do when it came to the sacrifices to God. And what did God do? They like died right on the spot. And God was like, I told y'all, don't play with me. I need this to be a witness to the nation. I need this to be a witness to the people. You be sitting like, what else back then? Uh, after the Holy Spirit was given, Jesus had ascended. Acts 5 said that the disciples were selling their possessions and they were bringing proceeds to the apostles so that they may dispense so that everybody within the body of Christ would have what they need. There was a certain couple named Ananias and Sapphira and they sold all their belongings, but they pocketed some of the proceeds. And then they went and they said, hey, here's the proceeds. This is everything we got. And Peter was like, this is everything? Yeah, this is everything. And he's like, man, why are, you, why are you lying to the Holy Spirit? He says, but you know what? God gonna make an example of you. And he falls dead. And it's like, hold up. Do like stuff. And the problem was, he wasn't stealing from the apostles. He wasn't even stealing from the church. What he's saying is, he's like, look, it was yours. You could have done freely. You could have literally walked in and said, hey, uh, we're going to keep this for us. We got plans. But we want to give this to the church. And Peter, hey, praise the Lord. But because you lied to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit made an example. You know, it was a trip. His wife came in. She didn't even know it. Hey, was this everything y'all had? Yeah, that was everything we had. Bam, died. She died. Everybody got scared. You know what happened though? A whole bunch of people started coming to Jesus. You would think people would be running from Jesus. Like, oh, Lord, you lied to the Lord. He's going to kill you. Well, what, that, that, wasn't always, that, that wasn't always the case. But what he was making was an example. Old covenant and new covenant. We see this similar thing is don't. Play with God. Don't take God for granted. Don't take it for granted. He says, fear God. 
and keep his commands. Now, the keep his command part is the visible demonstration that you actually do fear God. Reason he's saying it is that the keep his commands part is the side of the demonstration. You really do fear him. Jesus says, the one who loved me obeys my commands. John says, the one who says he loves God and does not obey his commands is a liar. That's in the Bible. That's 1 John chapter 2. I was sitting there like that joker said, y'all some liars. Straight up. I know that's not politically correct today. He was saying they some liars. Who we're dealing with it, we're not talking about Mosaic law. What we're talking about here is when we talk about obey his commands, what we're doing is we're saying, okay, how has Jesus called us to live our life? How do we order our life when we go accordingly? How do we treat people? We look like how Jesus treated people. How do we love people? We love people like Jesus loved people. We go through in the new covenant. What are the commands of the new covenant of how I ought to love God and love neighbor? That covers everything within all the law. He says, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, one thing you got to remember, Fear God and keep his commands. You know, earlier I made the statement about how sometimes we like to offer Jesus to be this kind of like fix your life, get things right. Uh, and that's, that's been a bad approach. It's been a bad approach because we begin people to, to hope in their own dreams and not in the Lord himself. You know, advertisers. Advertisers get paid a lot of money. Advertisers get paid a lot of money to come up with ads to get us to buy products, to us to spend our money so that uh, when I want to buy a shirt, I'm going to buy that shirt, not another shirt. If I want to eat, I'm going to eat that, not this other you know, restaurant or, or, or establishment. They spend a lot of money. And one of the things that they do, they, they, they spend a lot of money to create a, a, a dissatisfaction or a discontentment or make you think you're kind of missing out on something. And unfortunately, we've taken that approach when it comes to following the Lord oftentimes. And we think, like, okay, if I can, if I can create this, this, this need in their minds to them to think, okay, if they, you know, you accept Jesus now and then you know what, all, all that stuff that's been going on in your life is going to get right. You know, that job, that relationship, that money, your health, all that. And, and that's a false promise. I can't promise you that. I can't promise you that. What I can tell you, what I can promise you is you can know the joy of the Lord and the forgiveness of your sin. You have the guarantee of eternal life and you have the promise that you can now walk in the purpose in which you were born. That's what I can promise you. Everything else, I don't know what it's going to be like. I don't know. You can accept Jesus now and your whole family get mad at you don't want you to talk to you no more. Jesus is greater. Whatever the world has to offer, whatever your hopes and dreams are for this earth and this life, let me tell you something, they don't measure to the Lord. And that's why he says, at the end of the day, fear God and keep his commands. We all going to stand before the Lord. We all going to stand. And he says it right at the end of the time. He says, we're all going to, there's going to be an account given. God is going to, we're going to stand. God's going to render judgment of everything we've done, whether good or bad, and even things hidden. Jesus, Jesus said in, in, in Matthew's gospel, in Matthew, I think it's 12, verse 36, right around there. He says, look, we're going to have to give an account for every careless word we say. That includes text, tweet, Instagram, Facebook. You, 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 you already thought it was difficult. You sitting there with your mama. She going through your report card. You sitting there like, you imagine God sitting there like, now, why did, why did, why did you share that post? You thought that was funny? Did you think it was really funny? 
I don't lie. I'll be, be checking myself now. I'm like, is that, is that something I should have? Should I hit like, thumbs up? What, what do I do with that? We're going to have to give an account. I mean, there's nothing meaningless. You know what I mean? There's nothing outside of the scope. There's nothing outside of the scope of God's rule or reign. You know, there's, there's no back doors. There's no loopholes. You know, there's no loopholes in the contract. You can get over. It's like God, and, and he's spoken, and God says, look, I'm, I want relationship with you. <laughs> We've been reconciled back to the Lord through the finished work of Jesus Christ, and by faith in him, we have the indwelling Holy Spirit. We have the guarantee of eternal life. We have the forgiveness of sins, and now we can walk in God's purposes, and we don't know how long we have it, but all we do know is at the end of the day, no matter what the world has to offer, it never measures up. Fear God and keep his commands. If you're going to have any satisfaction in life, it's going to be with the Lord. You can, you, can get, you can get all the sexual pleasure you want. You're going to find out it ain't enough. You can get all the education and degrees you want. You're going to find out it don't measure up. You can get all the money in the world. You're going to find out it don't measure up. You can get the, the highest of power. And you find out it, it, it doesn't measure up. And that's the whole of the book. The whole of the book is don't chase the world, chase the Lord. Thank you for listening to Point with Daryl Jones. This was just one part from the current series, Chasing After the Wind, 14 messages that walk you through the entire book of Ecclesiastes, where we learn that true satisfaction is found only in knowing the Lord and enjoying the life He provides. If this ministry has blessed you, we invite you to partner with us today. Please visit daryljones.org. That's D-A-R-Y-L jones.org. Your financial generosity keeps us on the air, and we are grateful for your faithfulness. And remember, keep making Jesus the point.